Behind every success story, there is a long line of triumphs and defeats that remain hidden from others. These stories get condensed into journeys that minimize the struggle and wrap up with a happy ending. But we know that's not how life works. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about the challenges that Mark's guest faced and how they overcame adversity. Now, here is your host, Mark Azoulay. Welcome back to another episode of From the Ashes. I'm sitting here with Nicolina Werther, who is a trauma-informed success coach that works in workplaces for people that are creative, that are highly sensitive, or that are entrepreneurs. I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, what actually I want to dive right away, what stood out about your website to me was the uh, space consultation that you do around having people set up offices and workspace. That's something that I read a book called Deep Work by Cal Newport that talks a lot about that. And I really dug into that recently. But I'm curious where, where you got into that, what, what that is like, what kind of consultation do you do? <laughs> Yes, I feel a bit like website shame now. Oh gosh, it's not up to date. <laughs> um, but it's so I haven't actually done that since COVID. Um, but yeah, it's still in the mix, and I might pick it up. Um, yes, I don't know how I got into it. It might have been, I think Feng Shui and you know Marie Kondo and all the stuff that's around. I did read the book as well, even though yeah. Um, I forgot about that part from it. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's everything. The environment is, of course, super important. And I do talk about it a lot, even if it's not physically in the space of, you know, how you can arrange things to make them work for you. And I, I don't know if you want to delve into that maybe further down. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just it's just part of everything. And it's just, I just love space. It's just a thing I always had, like anything spatial <laughs> just excites me. <laughs> so I guess it just at some point I was just like, actually, no. Um, I read a book called Soul Space once by Xavis Balbes or something. Um, I think he has designed a lot of the really fancy homes in, on, on the West Coast. Um, and that was, I think there were so many examples of all the different things and what they tell you about like, where you are emotionally or you know what yeah but how it influences you and how you do things how you do life how you work or whatever and it was just fascinating I think that's how originally I started it I was just like wow it just kind of tells you it's like it's an extension of you space so 100 yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I I think we have the same uh similarity there I would love one of my like uh when I have more time is to study interior design and to study uh feng shui I'd love to really go deep into that it's something that I've come to appreciate as I like owned a condo and I'm making, I make a home improvement stuff all the time. I, you know, I'm really particular about my space and it's really interesting because I've seen it have significant impacts on my mental health and on my productivity. So it was kind of cool looking at your website and see, Oh yeah. Wow. She like made a service out of that. Yeah. yeah, cool. yeah. And it's, it's like even small things. I remember for a while I struggled with, with eating um, disorder or like, you know, eating, binge eating and all that stuff. And after and I used to like all these pictures of you know nice cafes and and like you know just normal pictures of not even any particular healthy foods but still food and then at some point like when I was really digging into what's going on it's like well there are food pictures around you <laughs> I'm not sure if that's how you want to cure your brain all this time and so I mean I took them out at least for a while um I think these days I don't mind anymore they can come back but it was just so it's just so interesting to see like all these things that influence us subconsciously and yeah like is it a straight line is it a curved line do you you know how does it influence your creativity and all these things 
yeah, it's it, it's it's really cool. I think we, we could wrap on that for a while. I, have you, re- have you read the book, uh, The Design of Everyday Things? I don't think so, no. That's a really good one if you're interested in it. It talks about how like things like literally like a mug is designed or like a fork and how like you should only be able to do one thing with it. It should kind of inform you as to the function of it based on exactly what it looks like. And I think of space as very similarly as having, you know, it gives you instruction about how to be in it and lets you know, yeah you know, how to work, how to live, how to relax. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that that's, that's a beauty. Like <laughs> if, if we want to delve deeper into, into it, that you can, yeah, you go through all areas, like, you know, sleeping, workspace, communal spaces, and every, everyone has their own little story and you can arrange it to what, uh, yeah, what you want it to do for you really. Yes. Maybe we'll loop back around to that, but I, I want to, kick off with, you know, the topic of the podcast, the From the Ashes story. So tell us a little bit about your story, how you got into coaching, uh, trauma-informed coaching and sensitivity training. What what was it like growing up? What was it growing up? Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm a therapist. Um, you got to dig right into that stuff. <laughs> tell me about your mother. Tell me about your childhood. Well, actually, might pull up. <laughs> um, to be honest, like for me, I, well, personal development spiritual development didn't find me until a bit more than a decade ago I would say and then coaching a bit further down the line and trauma from coaching further down the line <laughs> even uh, still um, and I think in a way I feel like I grew up pretty clueless like even though there's a psychologist psychotherapist in my extended family um, and now also in my close family but back then that was the only person I think uh, I, I honestly, I just didn't know. I was just, you know, as I guess many of us, just stumbling through life and not really knowing what I, I wasn't. I sometimes think I maybe wasn't the most ambitious person in that I just didn't understand that you can dream, have dreams and you can go for them and that you might have to learn a few things while you do that, but that that's something to kind of strive for in a healthy way. So I think I was more aiming around trying different things, very drawn to the performing arts as a way to express myself, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then trying to do that in my adult life. But then at some point, things just started to crumble. <laughs> um, yeah, because I just didn't, I had neither the inner resources nor any outer strategies of how to make stuff happen, <laughs> as I like to say. So that's, yeah, how it started. I don't know if you want me to explain plain anything yeah. more is, is there like a, a story that can paint that pattern of trying to make something happen but not having the skill required or not having the belief in yourself or, or something um i think in a way i'm still trying figuring that out uh like i said i mean like the performing arts is definitely the thing that drew me most so first i think musical acting then no, first dancing, then acting, then music or whatever. And then I circled back around to some of them. And um, yeah, but I never, like, like it's a bit funny because I also have a health condition, which kind of always meant like, oh, you can't be a dancer, you can't be an actress. So there was like already at that, like even before I even thought, oh, maybe you want to do that professionally. There was kind of always this, well, you can't do it anyway, (laughs) which might've influenced the whole thing of, well, why should you even try? Even though I did try at some point, but, I think without really that inner conviction that you need, like especially with the creative things or, you know, things that are like you're passionate about or that are close to your heart where you really, like you do need to have those, the inner dedication and really need to want it. Otherwise, like the first setback and you 
or at least the second or third at some point you just give up because you're like well I just wanted to have a good time and this is not what I expected kind of thing I think yeah I remember there, there's a quote by um like on his name but he's the creator of Bugs Bunny right the cartoon character and he has a quote where he says you know every everyone has 300 bad paintings in them the good artists get them out faster yeah uh, faster and also actually they get them out I think that's the other thing mm -hmm. I would say it's just like sticking to it and like trying again and yeah like all, all the things that are more the soft skills of you know okay you don't feel great about it or there's doubt or you know you feel like oh you can't you're worried someone's not gonna like it or whatever I mean that are more the soft skills but I definitely had to learn those first <laughs> before I then realized I might have to dig a bit deeper to <laughs> get even more resources online um, but even those they are so important um, because if I think if you don't have them you're you're belief in yourself gets undermined pretty quickly and it, that's the other bit if you then don't have that inner I don't even know what you want to call it sense of self inner self-trust inner belief in yourself whatever um what do you fall back on there's nothing like at least for me like my personality is that of I think I never had a healthy sense of self growing up because I've just not been taught it and yes and possibly were things growing up that weren't ideal um as far as I know, nothing super intense, but, you know, even something like a bit of emotional neglect, neglect a bit of, you know, tension in the household, um, you know, maybe family member not being very well themselves, like all these things, that's still enough potentially uh, to, yeah, not build you up in a way that you can then thrive in a healthy way in life. Um, I mean, there's a whole theory if some people are more sensitive than others, and I'm always like, oh, I work with sensitive people. I shouldn't know about this. I'm, I find that a really tricky one because I know there's the one camp which says, yeah, some people are wired more sensitive, so they do react more to these things. And then there's the whole thing about, well, you could be hypervigilant because of, for example, difficult childhood experiences or something. And like, where's the line? I, I don't know. Like, for me, it doesn't even matter. It's like, what matters is like, can someone, like, how do they behave? Can they do it or can they not do it? And what kind, what do they need? to be able to move through something. Yeah, I think I work very similarly. The, the cause is not as important as what's actually coming into the room. Yeah. And I think where I'm on that, I think most of it is actually conditioning. You know, there may be some biological piece as far as sensory processing disorders seem to be some research there showing that people can just perceive sensation, literally stimulus way more intensely. But I think a lot of it is what you're talking about is emotional neglect, some minor traumas, misattunement, things like that that then get triggered and throws into that regressed place where we're all of a sudden acting from our past self, the child self that doesn't have a sense of self or that feels very afraid or very angry or, or feels threatened. And then yeah. person ends up being a lot more reactive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and of course we all have different ways of how we then deal with that. Uh, and and I'm, I'm a huge fan of just just like I think that's we met <laughs> during some summit and you were talking about personality types and, and you know how they play out, which I really liked. And I, I like personality models, too. But the one that I like more than any other, I think, is, is just the basic for trauma responses, for, uh, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, because I find they explain you so much of how you deal with anything that. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're my favorite ones because like once you understand who you are in that one, you understand a lot. Like, for example, I use a creative person who's always in fantasy land, <laughs> kind of frozen, but not actually going into action. Or do you always get into action? But like maybe 
I don't think that applies to you or me, but without the creativity, kind of just doing crazy activity for the sake of activity, uh, which can be great, especially at work, um, but it might burn you out or not fulfill you, or, you know, there might be other reasons why that's not good for you. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so going back to your story, which one of those did you find yourself stuck in? Were you in that freeze response? Um, I don't think heavily. I mean, I had and have a wonderful teacher of many years now who's yeah, m- m- mostly a coach, teacher, mentor, whatever. Um, I learned a lot from her about, for example, sensitivity and trauma responses and all that. And um, so sometimes I have to trust her judgment. <laughs> uh, and that would be that I am a freeze-fawn personality, but with flight as well. So I'm definitely not fight. And that's something I always have to work on developing more in myself. Um, I can freeze, but I don't disassociate. So, and that's, again, it's another thing where maybe you know more about it, but I sometimes don't know, like, there's different research out there, I find, and depending on who you listen to. Um, like, some people would say freeze is proper freeze, and then... I like um, what's it, Pete Walker's work, uh, which is more about, yeah, freeze is, for example, going off into fantasy land or, you know, doing the more mild forms of still functioning, but not necessarily, I don't even know what the word, like being productive in a, in a contributing way that's building your life, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely me and fawning yeah definitely it's just like or pleasing pleasing whatever you want to call it Um, yeah I I was more the rebel but that's the other side of the coin of being too much concerned of what other people think about me yeah so at what point did you start to transition right you talk about not you know having poor self-esteem some insecurities and not Mm -hmm. real sense of self trouble executing on your dreams and vision but now you're out there. I mean, you're doing stuff. You're a business owner. You're coaching people. Where did that pivot point happen? To be honest, I'm not one of these people who's like, and one day I woke up and everything. <laughs> I was saw the different. light and everything was beautiful. <laughs> oh my god, I wish I had this. They sell so great those stories. <laughs> um, I think really slowly, slowly over time. So, um, and I'm still working on it. Obviously, I'm still checking like how how how's my nervous system right now like how calm am I and um yeah just I mean obviously luckily because I had experience with the performing arts for example being on stage being seen was not the issue for me which I know for many people it can be um like for me it's I think more around and I'm still doing that like finding my voice finding my mess like standing up for things in life and that's yeah that's why I say it's an ongoing journey and I'm always like and again it's a bit of understanding what interests I have on my outside but also like again like for me it's an inner state of feeling as well and yeah it just keeps growing day by day uh I think it really it's just added that's up over the years so from um I don't even I can't really say like I don't like I said I don't think there's anything in particular it's just it just builds up over time and it like for me it's just I'm, I'm just trying always to reduce the time from idea to action or to from idea to result like more that's that's my journey like how fast can I really make something happen um because if I don't then there's something in there which stops me something internally that's in there um and that's something I watch day by day you know day by day I get better at things that's kind of how I see it yeah is there a way that you talk to yourself or a skill or practice that you use to reduce that time awareness self-awareness yeah that's a big one yeah that's what it comes down to it's like okay like 
and having brilliant teachers for sure also uh, and of course sometimes teachers are books um yeah just noticing like you know am i am i not am i doing this like coming back to i, th I don't know if it wasn't deep work as well but like really being focused on what i want and seeing how much i do that or I don't really use the word procrastination so much and I feel like normally I don't even do it but do I do the thing that moves the right thing forward or do I, I, I luckily I, I'm not the person who's just oh I'm just on you know on my bed I can't do anything that's that's not me I know for some people that can be and then of course it would be the first step is okay can you get up and what can you do but then you know you just keep building you keep building and just for me like everything I try to do is to build my life in the way that I want it to be and just noticing am I on track or not or am I feeling aligned or not I mean we could give it so many different terms of I like to design things for joy like if I know I'm doing something that fills me out then I feel it <laughs> and I know that's um how I yeah that that's what I want to do I hope that answered your question <laughs> it does and I think it's funny because I think I, I can do the same thing you're talking very humbly about something that is incredibly powerful, which is choosing life, right? This idea of wanting to live and wanting to live a life that is meaningful to you. And I know for a lot of my life, you know, the listeners have heard parts of my story. I didn't have that. So to be able to pivot to that, where you really want to have a life that brings you bliss, that brings you joy, that is helps other people. That's huge. That's a very big thing. And it sounds like that as a North Star can be really helpful for you as you're building out this career and making you know your dreams come true. Yeah. And, and maybe we can explore um, further down the line, like maybe how to get there if you're not there yet. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but it's, it's an ongoing journey. Even if you're there, there's always more. <laughs> That's how I see it. Of course. Yeah. So we're going to move into our first commercial break. There's a lot of interesting threads to pull on. So if you're listening, uh, stay tuned. And we're going to talk when we come back about, you know, sensitive people, about choosing life, about um, organizing space, trauma-informed care. There's a lot of great places that we can go. So for those listening there, stay tuned and we'll catch you on the other side of the commercial break. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit Mark dash azulay dot teachable dot com that's mark m a r c dash azulay a z o u l a y dot teachable dot com you are listening to from the ashes with mark azulay to reach the show today please call one eight 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 Three four six nine one four one. That's one eight 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 three four six nine one four one. 
or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. So I'm sitting here with Nicolina Werther, and we're talking about developing a sense of self. And this is something, I really want to dig into this, right? Because this is something that gets thrown a lot in the you know psychology world, in the coaching world, in the self-development world. And it's like, People are like, oh, just, just do it. It's so easy. Just like figure out who you are, be yourself. I mean, you're in dating, right? And it's like not that easy. And, and I think it's also very vague and it doesn't offer people a, a pathway or even a definition of what it means to develop a sense of self. So I'm curious, I guess, one, what that process was like for you. And two, what do you, what do you really mean by a sense of self as compared to not a sense of self? So I keep saying that, that I, for me, like these things are ongoing journeys and I always keep yeah. learning. Um, so, and I do I agree with you that I think that a lot of it, often there are these, you know, people give you these outside pointers of, you know, know what you're passionate about or your values or all these things. <clears throat> and they're of course really helpful, but just again, like from my experience, um, I've, I did an embodiment coaching training last year that I kind of stumbled into, but as these things turn out, it was really good. <laughs> uh, it's also quite intuitive embodiment coaching training that was developed by, um, yeah, more an intuitive healer, actually. And what, for example, that did for me was um, similar to, I guess, somatic experiencing or something that it, it was just like it shifted something in my body in the way of like because I would think oh you know I've been practicing mindfulness for years and I've done all sorts of other awareness practices I have a good sense of how I feel but it took things to a deeper level um, and we could talk about which parts of my body or whatever and it has actually become even more of a of a feeling like this like for me it's connected to this inner sense of trust and it, it really is is much more but I mean, that's how I like to work anyway, to, to see that things are not just cerebral, like knowing, for example, what you like and or what you stand for or something, but that it becomes a felt sense. And um, because of that moment, like, it's just, it's just, <laughs> and I find it very hard to talk about it because it's something to feel and words don't, don't always do it justice. Um, but like, if I try to explain like how it feels to me, it's like I said, mostly I think it would, I would use the word trust and, and like trusting your gut, trusting your intuition. Um, and with that, of course, something like decision-making then the more practical aspect becomes easier, but really experiencing you on all levels. And I think the scientific terms would be, you have like, you know, um, well, all the different forms of perception kind of working that pick up all the different things in your body or if you're more spiritual you would say your energy what, what however you want to describe it uh, for me it's kind of all the same to some extent mm, yeah how's how's that for you like what does it mean for you yeah I think it's similar to what you're saying it's pretty multifaceted I think as a as a side note I also just started working with a somatic psychotherapist in my in my own life and tapping into some of that is new I mean I've been in therapy as a client for like a decade but the idea of actually developing my intuition, I think for, it's a stereotype, but I think for men in general, we don't have really a lot of connection and communication around that. Um, I think, you know, women have the stereotype of being more intuitive. And, and I think in some ways that's probably true. I think you have, you, you all seem to have access to things that we don't uh, as, as naturally. Um, but th that being said, I, it is this, in, for me, it is that sense of trust that you're talking about. It's a sense of 
kind of consistency and cohesion and this ability to kind of gut check myself and gut check my decisions. And it, it and more so than that, it's like trusting and honoring those little micro moments. If I'm going to meet with somebody and I'm just like, uh, you know, or, you know, there's a decision coming up and I'm like, oh, this one feels really bad. If I notice myself like forcing myself and overriding that kind of emotional imprint, then it usually sets me up for failure. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly how I'm experiencing it. And, and for me, it actually, it was my gut that I felt like I perceived more uh, sensations than, than before. Like I said, I would, because I've done, you know, these things where you do body scans and, and all this stuff, which is fun. I like it actually. Um, but I know I often wouldn't really scan either someone else or me, like, completely and it's just I mean this is more like the technicalities of these things but there's literally that I feel like there are I'm getting sensations from my body now that I wasn't aware of before and it's exactly what you describe it's the intuition it's a gut feeling it's this just knowing in the moment if something feels right or not and it's just the things you think oh they should be obvious you know people are just oh just decide you know <laughs> what feels right to you or um, you know like, like the basics but I think for many of us that's exactly the bit that we didn't learn or that we couldn't develop when we grow up because we shut it down because that's a bit that was scary right all the sensations in our bodies and all that stuff um and it's so beautiful if you can actually start developing and then be like oh there's a whole lot of world that gives me information and it's not even that Ooh, it's just right here <laughs> in me right it's, it's real <laughs> you know I think it's worth yeah. listeners to hear like this isn't magic it's actually like a real thing that you're going to feel and something that is coming online for me of just being like whoa yeah there are more sensations there there is a lot more information there than mm -hmm. i was aware of yeah, absolutely yeah um and with that then actually knowing what works for you or what your values are or something i think it becomes easy i mean values oh my god they drove me crazy like especially in the coaching world it's kind of the first thing someone throws at you it's like oh let's figure out your values and for years i've been like I don't really know. <laughs> I think it's that. I think, but I'm also, I guess, like, again, like many people, I'm very susceptible to the environment I'm in. So wherever I go, it might change. <laughs> and so I had real trouble kind of being like, oh, that's me. Or like, you know, that's the sense of self. It's like being, that's me. And that's what I stand for. And that's how I present myself to me, myself and to the world. Um, but the moment I find, like, the more I get in touch with myself, the easier it becomes. And again, like for me, it is funny because yes, it's a journey, but and I think similar for you, like, especially when you've been doing a lot of, you know, work, meditation and all these things for years, you kind of think, oh, shouldn't have gotten that years ago, but no. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's no real timeline on it. I, I found I had to clear out a lot of pain before I was able to build more positive structures. And I think the value thing was also difficult for me because I was, see, as a kid growing up, I was very conflict avoidant. I was unbelievably shy. So I would just be very agreeable or just not say anything at all. Just try to be like easy, you know, to just move things over to kind of like get the attention off me and to keep the conversation going. I would often like observe for a long time for, you know, hours before even engaging. And then when I would engage, I would create this persona that I thought that people wanted, you know, I would observe them and then deliver the, the, the product. And I didn't really develop values through that because my value at that time, I guess, was just not having attention or, or being liked maybe, or not having conflict. And yeah. a big part of my, you know, recovery journey was developing that sense of self and doing all those exercises about who, who, what do I stand for? What does like ethical life mean to me? What, what is my code of, of honor? And more importantly, putting myself in some situations that challenged it 
Because it's one yes. thing to have it. It's another thing to actually put into practice. Because I don't think it really, for me at least, didn't get cemented until I acted in a way that was in line with my values. And I was like, oh, okay, this is what I'm actually doing. It's real now. It's not just like a list on my wall, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah, it, it feels more real. It feels like you're actually experiencing life more. <laughs> All the side chats, sages, like, and wisdom people always tell you. <laughs> but actually it becomes, it becomes visceral in a way, I find. The more you do this kind of work, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, Early on, it was just, and this is for people that maybe have no idea what we're talking about or just like, oh my God, how do you even start? For me, developing preferences was hard, right? Like, do I want this type of food or that type of food? Or do I want, right? Like just basic preferences. Like, yes. what's your favorite color? Like, really, what's your favorite color? You know? Ice cream. Yeah, get ice cream no matter what. It's the worst. It's like, what? You know, or like, what's your, what kind of music do you like? I mean, stuff like that. I know that that would change for me around other people. I didn't have a sense of self even around preferences and that was that was tough because yeah i'd be curious your experience with it because as you were talking about people would ask me hey what do you feel about this and really my answer truly was i don't know like it wasn't it wasn't that i was like confused it's like i didn't even have those channels built to know how i felt about something until i was able to really process it and for me it was through therapy that helped me to develop those skills of really figuring out what i actually think and feel about things didn't come naturally for me yeah I think for me, it's a mix. Um, I, I mean, if I think back at least to teenage years, I do, there are, I mean, I like music, for example, I think I didn't know <laughs> and other things too. But then there's the other aspect of how do you communicate that? Or like, do you communicate it at all? Or, you know, like, I, I'm pers- my, again, my personality, I'm more of an avoidant person. So I'm very good of not sharing. <laughs> so my challenges are usually more like, hey, talk a bit more about it or share what, you actually like which then of course if you actually do that can reinforce it and then it kind of builds on that like I mean I've been through phases where I couldn't even decide on which name or which version of my name to use and people would call me like all sorts of different things of course that messes then also with my own self-perception because like who am I um but the moment I decided okay it's just going to be Nicolina now yeah you know things just get easier (laughs) so um and like that's that's what I meant like you keep doing that uh, I mean the communicating things um and that's yeah it just reinforces the whole sense of self thing and it just all connects to each other and that's um I find a thing I also really enjoy doing with people is like the whole idea of you know speaking up visibility using your voice and all of these things that um so often I find people don't do if yeah like you either they haven't been taught it or they shut it down because it was unsafe to do it usually growing up or something um it's yeah that's when people really start to sparkle and you know we can uplift people and we can uplift environments because there's just so much more coming alive like because we all have you know something inside of us that's magical and awesome and can do something good in the world um uh, not in a codependent way <laughs> for you first <laughs> um but that's kind of i think going a bit back to what we talked about uh, before the break it's like how do you tap into that how do you get there and how do you bring it out and how do you you know it's inspire the world around you with whatever is important to you and it's not that's for you to decide <laughs> yeah so you do a lot of work in workplaces and i'm curious how would you work with a workplace to inspire that ma- that magic to come out, right? For people to sparkle in the way that you're talking about. Yeah. What are some changes that you often see need to happen? 
Yeah, so I'm I'm a mix. Like I, I do actually a lot of people are more like self-employed and uh well it depends, either self-employed or freelance or employed. Um it's the same thing, really. It's just a question of how you it's it, like asking how, how you can facilitate it. The, the core of what they or I want to achieve is still the same of making every single person as empowered or whatever you want to call it as you can like as feeling and it's that's that's all the classic things of you know how can we create a safe environment how can we make sure people you do speak up or feel safe to speak up to say what they want um to feel they have agency around the things um that they want like have a collaborative environment and that kind of all the things that we know make a good environment like how can we facilitate at least some of them i mean it really depends there's some beautiful companies um out there and there are some which you feel like okay they're a bit more traditional maybe where it feels a bit more okay where do we start kind of thing and of course in that like if you can work with something like leadership is always in a way the easiest like like because the moment that the person has understood it for themselves they can see where it's not happening around them i find yeah. usually yeah i think that's critical right i think emotional health does trickle down so if you can work with leaders and have them do their deep emotional work, their personal work, get rid of their baggage that they have, you know, from their childhood and understand how to have their voice. Then they all of a sudden, it's, it's so, I mean, I think that's why it speaks to the naturalness of it. They become advocates for it everywhere because they're like, whoa, my life changed. Now that I'm, I'm going to use my power to help empower the, the people on my team. Absolutely. And I mean, and you see, like, it, it feels good to you, but it also, like, even if you were just to look at, at your bottom line or something, you, you would see that it makes a difference because people are more engaged and, and they just, you know, they enjoy, hopefully they work more. Or, yeah, usually it's the engagement um, that goes up. Like, if you give people more more agency, really, <laughs> more more reason to do the things that lights them up. Right. They work harder, they work longer, they stay longer, right? They're not ready to jump and find a new job. You want to retrain them. They work above and beyond and they work more efficiently. And there's, you know, for the small business owners, that's mainly what I focus on. There's a lot less drama. Like all the drama that you deal with starts to go away because people can actually communicate preventatively instead of waiting for something to blow up. Um, and it's that, I mean, that's kind of where we come back to environments. It, it's, it's, of course, it's a culture thing, right? And I mean, that's, that's the only bit where I'm like, well, it really depends on what you have kind of to say, okay, what strategy to use? Um, like, where, where do you start really? And like, what's, what's actually already there in the culture? Usually there's something that you can start with, like, and just build on it, some quality that works well. Um, I mean, often, like you said, like often I find that it's some, some form of communication is <laughs> not working very well. <laughs> um, but maybe, for example, how, you know, if, if people are good with hanging out after work or something, then maybe that could be a place to start having honest conversations or something um, where people build better relationships or something that then can trickle back down into the actual work day or, you know, something. Yeah, a, a skill that I use in some of the coaching that I do is this idea of an amnesty hour of with your employees, you do like once a month, maybe every other week if you need to, is to have an hour where the employee can tell you anything with no consequences or penalty. And that can be about the workplace. It can be critical feedback. It can be about their own life, about what's going on in their relationships. But just an hour without that fear of getting fired or losing their job or getting demoted or getting exiled, you 
if you're a leader and you're open to it, again, if you have the emotional bandwidth to tolerate that, which is a big if, but if you can tolerate that, you're going to get so much good information that's going to make your business so much stronger because your employees know more about certain aspects of your business than you ever will because they do it all day, every day. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where I find is also the magic where you can start seeing like how things relate to each other. Because especially I find emotional health and, and work culture so often has been like, oh, this is this and this is this. Like, that's not to talk to you, so combine them. And it's just not true. Um, it's like, and, and I've done a bit of um, uh, coaching constellation work, which is kind of family co- constellations, but coaching and and you know you see things like okay like a co-worker died not not even work related they just passed away but it hasn't been dealt with and it's still kind of in there and in the team and like everyone's feeling it but no one spoke out that that's what happened um yeah there's yeah. so many things uh that yeah are actually worth mentioning to get the flow back <laughs> for sure i don't know why people don't have that connection that like especially in a small business or a small team, it is a family. So the same way that a family would deal with things like the death of a family member or someone losing their job or somebody getting sick or somebody getting promoted and, and the, you know, like kind of going off to college kind of thing, right? Like all that stuff should be talked about in a family should also be talked about in a team. I mean, if you can, that's of course great. <laughs> So we're going to move into our uh, final commercial break here. If you're joining the conversation, you know, like us on social media, share the podcast, do all that stuff. Give us a five-star review on Apple. We're trying to work on collecting some of those to get some more awareness. Uh, As we move into our next conversation, we'll be talking directly to you, the listener, about if you're struggling with any of these things, where you might want to start and uh, what you could do to kind of start developing your sense of self and building emotional health. So thanks for tuning in and we'll see you on the other side of the break. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.teachable.com. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome to the final segment here where we talk directly to the audience and, you know, a theme that's come up a lot on this show recently has been this great resignation 
this idea that a lot of people are quitting their jobs and that they are looking for something better. And what we're noticing is that a lot of people are actually starting their own thing. They're either doing like gig work or they're trying to start a business or they're trying to become a coach. And I'm curious, Nicolina, what would you what would you say to someone like that, right? That is kind of burnt out from their corporate job that left because of maybe a toxic work environment or they're not being seen or heard and are deciding to kind of stake it out on their own. Where would you recommend that they start to build that emotional piece? It depends a bit where they are. That's why I struggle a bit to get like, just do this. <laughs> so the question, like I said earlier, is for me is like really, um, do you like it kind of comes a bit back to this idea of what's your passion i find like do you already know what lights you up or what you want to engage in or not because sometimes people for example leave or do the job or something because they are already pulled towards something else sometimes like you say maybe they just kind of give up in that case i would actually start with first putting a lot of more like traditional self-care in place i mean like okay you know just do things like do the artist's way, like do some, you know, explore some of your ideas and passions and hobbies and see what resonates and see if anything sticks, for example, um, which can be great anyway, because you get usually in touch with yourself and yeah, explore things. Um, but sometimes, you know, people also like have a definite reason to leave because they just explored already something else. And then it's more like, it, it really depends like where, yeah, what, which state are they in? Are they ready to build something or are they not ready to build something? Because if they're ready to build, even if it's slowly, we can of course move into, okay, take some action around this thing. Um, like, I, like I, a question I often like to ask is, um, first of all, check like, well, yeah, what's, is, is it working or is it not working? So for example, like if you're still deciding to leave or not, maybe start, yeah, is, is some, how, how are you feeling? Like what's working for you? What is not working? Um, and that could be anything. Like, are you enjoying what you do? You know, how, how's the money? How are the connections with others? How are um, uh, your, your contribution? Like, like the idea of fulfillment, like how do you feel with something? And you can do that no matter if it's in an employed job or if you're working for yourself or if you're thinking about it, like get clear around what you want. That's always a good start. Um, yeah, then the question is like, yeah, okay. So I think in your example, is, is it someone who wants to build something? Again, like I find often people already have an idea of what they want. At least that maybe that's the people I attract because they often like already have some passions or something. And then it's literally like, okay, for example, if you actually want to turn that into a business, great, <laughs> let's do it. Let's start. <laughs> um, you know, do you already have an idea of, for example, something you want to bring to the market, like to sell, like a painting, a service, I, I don't know. Um, and then we go from there, really. That's how I would start normally. Yeah, I think that that's great. How would you work with somebody who is just resentful and burnt out of the current system because I, I think that's where a lot of these great resignation folks are in where they're coming to it with a lot of just you know anger or they're coming to it with you know getting triggered from past traumas or from you know not not being seen or heard or kind of feeling that they're on the hamster wheel so I think they're, they're coming in pretty charged right because they've they've quit their job or they've made the jump and they're not quite sure what they want to do but they know they don't want to do what they have been doing. Definitely. I mean, then then I would definitely say start exploring something. Um, 
I don't offer the, for example, the artist's way. I know it's a course myself so much, but I have other ways of you know exploring things. But something like that where you just really have um maybe even a few weeks where you just explore different ideas and engage in them. Like try out playing piano, try out going for long hikes, try out, you know, maybe connecting with some people you haven't connected in a while. Just anything that's different to what you've been doing. I mean, that's what I my advice or suggestion is anyway like whenever you're in a funky state or you feel like you're not um things are not going the way you want like the, the key bit is always to change well to change your state like of mind ideally but how do you do that by changing something and again whether can we come back to the environment you know if you don't know what to do start changing your environment and you could start with something where the kettle sits because the moment you put the kettle even just a meter somewhere else, you have an interrupt in your brain because you're not doing the same thing you've been doing every day, but you're actually doing something else. So that 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 fraction of a moment could already give you like a little bit of a different perspective on something. And then of course you can build that out to bigger things. That, that again, like it really depends, I find, where someone is. Um, if if you're ready to, you know, have a weekend and do something like have a sky like dive or like do something crazy. <laughs> you'll get so many new ideas of what's possible for you or what you can do. Great. Do that. <laughs> yeah, so, think, yeah. I, no, I, that, that's really great advice because, and I, what I'm hearing you say is using the novelty as a mirror for yourself to really study of like, okay, I'm going to go skydiving, right? It's not really about the skydiving. It's about how am I feeling before? What's coming up, right? What's it like when I'm on the edge of that plane? What's it like afterwards? How do I feel? using it as a way to kind of deepen into yourself and create space for those new ideas. Yeah. Is my hearing that correctly? Definitely. I, th I think for me, it's kind of a thing I will always advocate. That's why maybe I, it's kind of built in for like, no matter where someone is, like I said, just at different stages, um, but changing things. And yeah, definitely. I mean, even the last two years, like that was so important because I think that's when people did have a hard time is when they didn't mm -hmm. do that. And they just were doing the same thing over and over and over again. But if you can get creative, even in a two square meter space or something, and like, that's why I keep telling people, like, use your chair, like move your chair by 90 degrees. You have a different view. Things will be different already. <laughs> I know it sounds kind of, you know, really small and ridiculous, but it, it will make a difference. Change your clothes, you know, anything will make a difference. Like if you have a particular path you walk every day, can you do it the other way around or something, you know, all these things matter. And um, of course, you know, then you can do visioning. Like how do you imagine your ideal scenario like where would you like to go i mean definitely we can do that if, if you feel like that's some like if you really have no clue sometimes like doing an exercise uh of just doing pure visualization and you know where do you see yourself in two years who do you want to be with when which environment do you want to be that's great um i think i have one on youtube if anyone fancies that um yeah that's that's also an option of course um that you that you can do but like i said like that's why I like to work one-on-one -on -one because that kind of gives me a good feeling of where someone, like, where are they in which state? And like, what do they need? Do they need the excitement? Do they need, first of all, to calm down because like they've been working so hard, they just have no energy anymore. Mm -hmm. Do we just do bring everything right down and calm it down, first of all? Um, yeah, I mean, you can do the same in groups, but uh, I mean, of course, like, and, and if you do it for yourself, it's the same thing. like if you can build, like find out like what you need, 
in that moment, that's of course always great. I'm just thinking, maybe you have a nice idea. I'm thinking of maybe I have another good question. I mean, um, one thing I always also often say is like, can you, um, what would you do if you had to bring 1% more joy into your day? Like joy is one of my go-to things. Like I like to design things for joy. Um, and that I find is also a great starting place to just be, okay, 1%, like, I mean, you could do it with everything in your day, but even just pick, start with one task or one thing. What would make that thing more enjoyable? Mm-hmm. And it could be music in the background. It could be, I don't want to work with that person, but I like this person. Or I don't want to work that anymore at all. Or like, yeah, actually I want to try out something else. Or um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you asked also for people who are ready, for example, to build a business. And that's a whole other section, of course. <laughs> Yeah, well, just go right into that, right? How would you, how would you assess if someone's ready to build a business or not? Well, if they think they are, they are. <laughs> I mean, me as a coach, my job is to make sure. Like, I, I always think some, like, usually people are. I, I don't think I get the ones who are completely disoriented normally. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, everyone has their ups and downs, and like, like recently, I had a lady, and she, like, we wanted to work on her business, and honestly, the first session I mean she had so much things happening in her private life like suicidal teenager and whatnot of course we couldn't do that for a while and we had to address other things first um but ultimately they like they would feed back into how she shows up for what she actually wants to do so it was more yeah kind of making sure she's in a good enough place so she can focus again on what she actually wants to focus in that case yeah, I think that part is critical. Maybe it's because we're on you know a little different sides of the same coin here from the therapy perspective, right? I'm a big advocate of like cleaning up your own house before you try to build another one kind of thing of this idea of, yeah. of course, that's, it's not going to be perfect, but this idea of understanding your personal pitfalls, your traps, you know, kind of discharging any emotional baggage that you might have, um, trying to work on relationships, get rid of toxic relationships, you know, get substance abuse figured out. I think this stuff's really critical because there's a you know common phrase and I think it's in recovery, but it's, it's everywhere. It's, you know, no matter where you go, there you are. And there are people that leave jobs, right? That leave a com- company and then create the same prison for themselves down the line because that emotional baggage hasn't been really sorted and resolved. Yeah. And I'm, 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 yeah, it's true that you bring it up. <laughs> I think I am a bit different there. I know that when I speak yeah. to my friends who are more on the therapeutic side of ends and even in coaching their different sides, they tend to do that. And my journey has been very different that again, because of teachers I met, they were starting to make sure I built stuff while I was, and I still heal. Like, like I said, it's ongoing for me. Um, and that's why I normally offer that because that's how I've seen it for myself. I mean, again, that's why I say it depends. There are cases where that's not possible or you don't want to, and if someone doesn't want to do that, fine. Um, but I, I've seen the benefits for myself, uh, which is why I love coaching, is to see where are we going, what's possible, like start putting things in place, even if they're tiny, but just to see, like give you that future perspective. And that's, and I think coaching is a little bit more future oriented often. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I've just seen great results with that. That's just my approach, I think. <laughs> Yeah. So, so what is one thing that you would like our listeners to take to heart? Checking in with yourself, just like even right now, like, how do you feel? What, what, is there something that's not there for you or that you would like more of? 
just what's coming up could be an emotion maybe you get something more tangible just like maybe put your hand on your heart and just be like how am I doing and what could make like once you've done that you might need to stay with that a bit longer and then just ask yourself if there's anything that would make your life that one percent more sparkling because there's always something <laughs> I like that I like that it's kind of you know adding a little bit of that sparkle um, I think the language that I use is like, you know, smoothing off those rough edges, but just trying to like do a little thing that can help create more ease and uh, and love and life in, in your life, which is, I think, really critical, right? And I think if you take care of those little things, the rest of the stuff falls in order because you don't have that drag, you know, you don't have the the kind of constant emotional drag that can keep you down. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that I'm such a big, like, I sometimes I spend hours talking about the little changes, like the music in the background, like I said, and the clothes and the flower and the, the right cup of tea, because that's how you feel great. Even if you have to write something you don't like or whatever. Yeah, I love it. I think it's, I think it's great advice. So as we're wrapping up here, tell us a little bit more about where people can find you online, uh, what you offer. If people want to learn more about you, where should they go? Yeah, I mean, you can go to nicolinaweather.com. Um, like I said, it's in the process of being updated, but um, it gives you an idea of what I do. And there's also a page which has, yeah, you find it's called slash free minus resources where if you, there's a checklist, for example, for shy and sensitive people at work. Like if you feel like, oh, I'm not heard and seen, or I never get what I want, that could be a great start um, to, yeah, get some ideas of how you enjoy your work more, just take get more out of it for example by ultimately becoming more yourself and building more of that sense of self fantastic that's great well thank you all for tuning in uh again promoting sharing doing all the stuff really helps this podcast to grow i really appreciate you listening and hearing these stories of you know coming from defeat into triumph and we'll see you next week another episode of from the ashes Thank you for joining host Mark Azoulay on From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Meet triumph and defeat and treat those two imposters the same.